again, I remember back when I was on the trading floor in 2011 when silver was spiking up to $50 and I was excited about it, but there was not, wasn't as if there were other people debating me. It was just nobody else was looking at it. So welcome to Gold Silver Pros, where you'll learn the ins and outs of the gold and silver markets. Searching for the best precious metals deal? Our affiliates are of the utmost trust, quality, and highest customer service in the industry. Shop with our trusted partner, Arc Silver. Access special deals on silver, gold, and platinum through our website or call 307 264 9441. Hey, everybody, this is Rob Keynes from goldsilverpros.com. We're recording this on, I forget the day, I think it's a Tuesday. I've been in paradise all week and I've completely lost track of time. But we're here with my good friend Chris Marcus of Arcadia Economics to talk about. Uh, the Jets, the Cowboys, and anything else that we want to talk about today. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing well, better than the Jets, and uh, at least it is Tuesday, September 27th, Rob, so there we go. Nice to even see the gold and silver prices up a little bit today after mm -hmm. getting thumped uh, yesterday, along with a lot of other things in the markets, but it's been nice having you here in Mexico, and uh, yeah. happy to dig into the markets, and yeah. anything else you'd like to ask about? So it's been a full week of talking about silver and the Fed and uh, what we think may happen. And I think they're right now it seems to be a lot of people are looking at the original thesis of the gold and silver. And is that thesis really the same thesis now, given what the Fed has done? I think part of it stems from the fact that this game, the monetary game, the fiat monetary game has probably gone on a little bit longer than we all anticipate it going on and may have taken different forms and things that we may not have seen before. But really, the question I want to kind of drill down into is, do we still think that the thesis that we have, that silver and gold are inflation hedges, and that they're contrarian trades to what's going on right now with the rest of the market, which seems every, everything seems to be hurting? You know, where do you stand on that? Are you still, what's your thought process on, on where we are? are you, you still have the same, same thought process on silver, or has that changed a little bit for you? Well, I suppose there are some parts that have changed a little bit. For example, something that I think about a lot, I remember around this time last year, back in September, having conversations with people, and I think it would be hard-pressed to find many people who thought the Fed was going to raise rates. So mm -hmm. with everything that was going on and all the debt out there mm -hmm. and some of the issues going on, there were a few people, at least that I talked with, uh, and myself included, that thought the Fed would raise rates, let alone that they would raise rates as aggressively as they have. Mm -hmm. So that's been one change. Um, also, I guess in terms of how we describe gold or silver, I think it's only fair when we say, is it an inflation hedge? Well, maybe nothing is purely, purely linear in today's world because mm -hmm. we do have the inflation here and we've seen that gold and silver can trade lower even when you have eight or nine percent, according to the government number inflation, higher than that on shadow stats. So mm -hmm. now with that said, looking at gold and silver from more of a long-term perspective, I, I like to hope that's something that I've done well on the show of not saying this is going to happen by X date. Um, mm -hmm. Because the the overall dynamic that led me into gold and silver back in 2009 was seeing that, all right, you have issues, you have debt, you have these problems in the economy that they did QE2, QE3, QE4 mm -hmm. um, to paper over. And 
seeing two main outcomes that either they continue printing or based on my studies of the Austrian business cycle that if we move that credit, things mm -hmm. crash pretty hard. We saw that with the housing bubble 2007, 2008, and that same dynamic still exists, which is why, you know, despite the Fed continuing to raise rates and not really offering any indication of a pause in that soon yet while i think there's debate in the market over when a pivot would occur when they'll abandon that i think for the most part everyone that i continue to talk with or the things that i look at still indicate at some point this is going to run into trouble and mm -hmm. we've started to see that whether it's signs of real estate slowing down uh, we see banks, uh, I guess Credit Suisse now is the latest one to have their uh, credit default uh, prices spike up. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're seeing it in the currency markets where uh, a lot of the currencies are really struggling right now. I mean, who, who would have guessed uh, a couple of years back that we would see the euro trade under parity? And now people mm -hmm. are worried as uh, in the last couple, last week or so. British pound is coming under pressure now and there is talk of, well, is that going to trade under parity? And so it's one thing to say that the Fed's going to raise rates to beat inflation, which so far they've done, yet it's not as if nothing is happening in response to that. That's putting a lot of pressure on the emerging markets or basically any foreign currency. Last week, we had an intervention with the Japanese yen where uh, it's funny. I did an interview this morning with David Brady, and he was pointing out the irony of Japanese are printing yen so they can do yield curve control. But then they're selling U.S. dollar assets to prop up the yen, which I think is the uh, perhaps a reflection of he called it whack-a-mole, where mm -hmm. there's a lot of balls being juggled in the air right now. And obviously that hasn't manifested in higher gold or silver prices as of this current moment, yet in terms of the end outcome of how this gets resolved, perhaps is it better to call uh, gold and silver an, infl uh, an insurance rather than an inflation hedge? I mean, I think there will be in due time, gold and silver will respond to the inflation as well, but Maybe that's one difference of how to phrase things appropriately. Um, but I mean, I think the same underlying issues that led to the housing crisis in 2008 and led to where we're at now, they're still there. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, why I still have gold and silver as a hedge against that and how that ultimately unravels. Yeah, and you talked about a lot of things. <clears throat> and I wanted to get in the currency situation for a moment. Not only currency, but I think what's also related is is in price inflation because we know from Austrian economics, and you talk about that all the time, when you have more currency units printed than you have increase in GDP, that net difference should eventually result in price inflation. But deflation happens in the currency first, then it you know transmitted through the economy. It depends upon a lot of things. We're starting to see a lot of price inflation everywhere around the world, not in the United States. And now we're starting to see currencies under pressure. And from what I can tell and what I'm reading, the explanation of the financial media is that people are demanding more dollars as a safe haven trade, which we've seen in past crises. And that makes sense. They're also demanding it in terms of repayment for debts denominated in US dollars. We have a lot of those. But it also seems as though this launch of the US dollar forward and this demand is really 
hurting economies which export and hurting economies in which they needed a strong currency, whether that be to facilitate, you know, the trade that they need with their trading partners. And I suspect that the rest of the world's probably eventually going to get tired of the strong dollar and they may, you know, start to fight back in a way. And, and that'll be interesting to see how is that going to happen? Because if you're China, for example, and the strong dollar is really screwing up your your plans for for the trade balance or, you know, it's it's Europe and they've got such high inflation and their their ability to buy new energy, which is where a lot of that inflation is coming from, is hampered by weak currency. Don't you think some of those countries eventually are going to come back to the United States and say, hey, let's rethink the strong dollar position that you have and you need to moderate this a little bit? Because it seems like it's just wreaking havoc with 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 uh, different economies, especially in Europe. As Europe is just getting it from all angles right now. It's got the energy situation. It's got weakening currencies. You've got a lot of political turno turnover and turmoil going on there right now in Italy and in Germany. So it just seems like, you know, this strong dollar seems to be affecting the rest of the world. What do you think the rest of the world's finally going to say, wait a minute, you know, this is not good for us? Or, or what do you think could happen there? I think they're already saying that, as we mm -hmm. found out throughout this year. And that's one of the things that's been interesting to me, where, I don't know, 20 years ago, if you had uh, Saddam Hussein or, or Gaddafi talk about doing things outside of the dollar, and then for after a short period of time, they weren't talking about that anymore. Mm -hmm. Yet now it's almost as if in Russia along with China, the BRICS now, I mean, it's almost day by day you hear new new countries being added to that, Saudi Arabia discussing joining the BRICS. It's almost as if now there's a force out there that at least has the ability to stand up against these things and mm -hmm. isn't afraid to do so. We saw the temporary backing of the ruble with gold earlier this year. We've heard Putin can, and other Russian officials continue to talk about a basket of currencies uh, or a basket of commodities as well. And like Putin or not, and I'm not here to defend uh, the, the, the invasion of Ukraine or anything like that, but he he doesn't strike me as someone who is kidding when he says something. No. In fact, uh, it was interesting, had a dinner about two weeks ago where there was someone there who was Russian and he, and he phrased it, Putin doesn't know joking. Mm -hmm. And certainly that's been my experience following it. Uh, I believe it was either 2018 or 2019 when he gave a speech talking about how he was getting tired of the dollar and the, uh, the U.S. system. Mm -hmm. And we found out months later that was right before they unloaded most of their treasuries. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting where he actually said it before, then they unloaded the treasuries, and then he's been talking about it ever since then. So whether that's good for the world or not, we'll leave aside. But just in terms of what's happening and the dynamics that are playing out, you're seeing, I mean, it was as if the last decade or so, you know, was speculation or talk, but now we're seeing it with some military action behind it if you look at the uh, the ukraine as a sort of a proxy war to some degree where the the sanctions were placed i guess it's a financial war so far mm -hmm. but we've seen the uh the ruble get blown out initially then rally back so there's that sense in which the market's looking at it and also i think it was just been striking that someone is not afraid to stand up against the U.S. power, which mm -hmm. has opened my eyes quite a bit. 
and then seeing that more countries are continuing to show interest in this. And I think underlying it, like like you said, it's a it's a bit of a system that inherently seemed a little unfair where U.S. gets to borrow and and that that amount just keeps going up. Inevitably, we hit the debt ceiling. Mm-hmm. Debt ceiling gets raised. I mean, what's, what's the point of even having it? And <coughs> goes on to the point where people just don't even take it seriously anymore. When the debt ceiling comes up, it's like, oh, well, it's just going to get raised. No cause for concern there. Mm-hmm. Which goes on for a long time. And I think that's what's tricky about being a gold and silver investor is that you see these things happening and you see the price of silver around $20 with inflation at 9%. So that's the, the, the challenge, the mental challenge of dealing with it. Yet in terms of, Hey, the factors that led me into, and I think which were similar for you into gold and silver Mm -hmm. And now seeing that there are other nations and a big portion of the globe, especially a portion of the globe that has resources, that's creating products, that's manufacturing a lot. And now also when you see uh, Middle Eastern countries get involved, that has a lot of access to oil. So it's not just you or me saying it, it's it's big bases of power that are moving towards that that end outcome it seems yeah it seems like they are and it, and it almost seems as though they're aligning along a lot of different <clears throat> boundaries and borders and things like that there's a lot going on with the de-dollarization that we've covered a lot on the channel and, and it's a really good point maybe that is the reaction to the to the strong dollar that the thought is if you look at like dollar milkshake theory the strong dollar will kind of it's one ring to rule them all in a way Horse the best, you know, horse in the blue factory, if you will, whichever way you want to describe it. And I believe that's true until it's not true. And I believe that's true until the rest of the world says we don't want to participate in this system anymore because it does require the participation of everybody else to pick a a currency. Everybody has to agree upon that. If the rest of the world gets to the point where they no no longer feel that 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 setup makes sense or that the argument that the dollar should be strong or stronger than the rest of the currencies and that we shouldn't have free free trading uh, different world reserve quality currencies around the world, I think, is is an open question that that seems as though the rest of the world's asking. And I mean, look at look at the way you just phrased it. The dollar being strong, while prices of things are going up ten mm-hmm. percent. Right. So, I mean, I, I you mentioned the dollar milkshake theory, which he's he's been correct, and that's yes. playing out now. Which is, so it's not to say that the dollar can't rally further or won't rally further, but mm-hmm. back to the 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 thesis though that it is a setup and it is a system that mm-hmm. has flaws in it, mm-hmm. and now there are people pointing out the flaws that have the ability to do something about it. So um, certainly an interesting time watching this all unravel. It is, and amidst that backdrop. And this beautiful backdrop that we're sitting in here in Mexico is silver and gold. Now they've been trending down. I think gold is in the 1600s, uh, 1650, 60, something like that. When I last looked, silver's down to the 1718 range. Uh, we'll be around that somewhere, you know, as you guys watch this video. Come on, Rob. We're still in between 18 and 19. Let's let's not okay. pile, pile on any further than <laughs> it needs to be here. Well, I don't follow the daily prices quite as much as I used to because I'm I'm really working on the long thesis lately. 
the long thesis being that as all of this happens, we're seeing dollar milkshake, we're seeing that flight to safety. I've always thought that this would be the last time that happened in the, in the life of the dollar, that eventually the, the dollar in its current format has got to go away and they're going to replace it. And we've had that whole CBDC discussion. But at some point along the way, you have to anticipate the metals are going to react to that. They're certainly not now. Uh, there's pressure on the derivative market. There's downward short pressure, 60 million shares almost on SLV, which is, which is a big proxy for passive investors getting into silver. So there seems to be a lot of downward sentiment and price pressure on those products i just like to point out though i think silver and gold are doing the right thing in terms of value because people are demanding them people are buying them right and left we know we've gotten all the reports about the market we've seen the inventories run off of the exchanges so there seems to be two tails of this market there's the physical market which seems to be saying the original thesis is correct and then the derivative market which seems to be saying hold on not so fast at some point, does the fiscal market, do people start paying more attention to the fiscal market and saying, I'm going with those guys because they're the one making the bets in the fiscal. And we see all that demand, that price is going to have to go up eventually. You would think if market dynamics return. Uh, but yet we have this derivative complex that sits over here and really mucks things up and really confuses people, absorbs demand and things like that. It makes it really hard for people like us to, to follow that market and have any idea where the price is going. So I just throw all that out there to say, it seems as though the thesis is correct from the physical market perspective, but we have different signs coming out of the derivative market. Like how much attention should people pay to that derivative market? Should they pay a lot because it does drive the current pricing? Or should people look past that and say, well, we realize that's there, but that market mechanism itself, much like the dollar being world reserve currency, may be long in the tooth. And maybe it's time, you know, that we try some other solutions. And, and that's when news comes out of Moscow and India and France setting up their own commodities market. So maybe I just answered my own question, but what's your thought on that between well, the physical and the derivative markets? I think that's fair. And I, I think it's helpful to remember that the majority of the world is not looking at gold and silver. And then of those that are, I mean, it's not easy to see what's going on on the physical level. I mean, we fortunately you and I, we talk to bullion dealers and we see some of the data that comes out and it's, it's not the case where there's a lot of physical gold and silver being sold from everything that I'm looking at. So I think there's merit to that, you know, although I think that a lot of people just look at the price on the COMEX where, mm -hmm. you know, there has been a lot of pressure. So it's, it's a yeah. difficult thing to get a clear idea on, even if you're looking at the data, it's not, it's not the most, there's not a one single metric that shows, all right, this is how much gold and silver physical is being purchased around the globe. That's right. So I think it's hard for people to see. That's why I appreciate that you dig into it. And I'm always looking for things that I can find of where is the actual metal going. Um, I have not seen many, any, any indication that there's a lot of physical metal being sold this year. So you also have perhaps more attention on the metals than maybe since uh 1980 mm -hmm. again i remember back when i was on the trading floor in 2011 when silver was spiking up to 50 dollars, and i was excited about it but there was not wasn't as if there were other people debating me it was just nobody else was looking at it so it's interesting when you think about wall street silver which hopefully this will come out in the right way i, I think 
that didn't even exist two years ago. And now there's right. a lot of people looking at it so that, but that that one group can make that big of a difference, I think shows just how. It's a measure of sentiment really that they exist and that they've grown so much as there's so many more people following in the sector. Yeah. And I think it's, it's great that there are groups out there like that, that people mm -hmm. are, are becoming aware of what's going on. At least there's a forum to discuss these things, but I don't think the majority of the world is even aware of what's going on on the physical level or, or thinks much more about the price other than what they see on Kitco or, or CNBC, if they're even mm -hmm. looking there, which one hand, I can understand that because we saw a large amount of money printed over the past decade and most of it flowed into the stock market or the bond market or the real estate market. So that was certainly eye-opening to see how you can have a lot of money printed and it can be diverted into different avenues. So just because we have inflation doesn't mean that it's going to all, all these assets will go up linearly or at the same time or at the same rate. Uh, but again, which is why, I don't know if you want to say it hasn't performed as an inflation hedge. I mean, I that, that would be accurate so far, at least right. up to this point this year. But if you're looking at the dynamics and some of the issues that have not gone away yet, um, and I think that's reflected by the fact that central banks are buying gold, uh, you know, that I don't think it was an accident that when Putin wanted to stabilize his currency, he turned to gold mm -hmm. and that China's buying gold and Russia's buying gold and other countries are buying gold. Mm -hmm. If we were in an environment where all these countries were selling their gold and central banks weren't buying their gold, then at least that would make me think, okay, well, maybe maybe something has changed. But so far, that doesn't seem to be the case. And I think there's some mm -hmm. credence to paying attention to that. Yeah, I think a lot of things you touched on, and I'll add to that a little bit, is when you follow the money, you see that big people are in the gold and silver sector, certainly in silver, you've got all that industrial demand, but you have some big investors coming in there. The being an heiress from, from Texas, we've seen people come through, and I, I mention this every time we talk physical, we've seen people come through our network to buy from, from Arc Silver as well. So people are definitely making big purchases, and you also see it, you know, not only industrial, but in gold, you see that investment coming. And w when I say investment, I mean central banks in, invest in gold. They don't necessarily buy it they invest because they know over time that that's always been a thing to restabilize a monetary system on a reset as someone that you'll have on your channel and have already have have again Lynette Zhang of ITM trading talks a lot about this she's probably the foremost person I found uh, to, to talk about currency resets specifically to gold and every time if you watch her channel and her her great presentations she talks about every time they reset the currency gold is a common factor why because it has all those attributes of an ultimate money and with no counterparty risk in the system that nothing else that man has invented so far has been able to replicate. So I do think that we're going back to gold being important in the system. And I do think silver is going to be important in the system. And I, that's why I follow the money. And that's why I follow the physical trade. I go back to that and say the physical trade is still there. And the entities which would edify those metals are edifying the metals still. They're still treating it as you would expect them to treat it as monetary assets and silver in the case as monetary and is a critical uh, mineral element that we need. So when I follow that, it makes me feel positive about it, but I understand all the consternation right now because it does appear as though gold and silver aren't doing immediately what we would expect them to. 
The only thing I would say to that is give that time. Because I think as more people realize what you and I have realized with the physical market, I think people will start to question, okay, maybe we don't need to follow the price as much on a daily basis. Maybe we need to look at the longer term trend. And maybe the ultimate trend is that metals are our insurance. I don't know if I'm answering my question, but what is your view on that? Um, is there enough there for people to stick with this trade and say, I still see the importance of gold and silver. I still see important people seeing the importance of gold and silver. So we don't think that that's really fundamentally changed. Well, I think so. And I mean, I guess when you look at the old adage of buy low and sell high, I mean, if you still believe the fundamental case and that what we've seen here is just that with the Fed raising rates, that there's funds and bank and primarily the funds selling gold and silver, then that leads you to one perspective. I mean, if you think that the system remains intact or that it's not headed towards bigger issues, then I guess that would lead someone to a different perspective. But certainly looking at gold and silver on a day-to-day -day basis, yeah, that's going to be a hard one to do where I, to me, it really depends on how you see this system playing out and the issues facing it. And I would say, like you pointed out, looking at that and mm -hmm. taking a step back, probably the easier way to go about it. If, uh, I don't know, if the Fed comes up with some new solution that, or if they ram a, a central bank digital currency down your throat and everybody's mm -hmm. happy with that, and then maybe that's a different story. But I, I think it's challenging mm -hmm. to uh, look at silver and gold on a day-to-day -day basis. Maybe one of the things that stands out, I was even surprised when I came across this one, at, is that silver has actually outperformed all the major stock markets since the year 2000. Mm -hmm. Now, certainly that if you mark at the beginning of 2000, you have the dot-com bubble still inflated somewhat. So uh, perhaps if you measure from 2001, maybe that changed a little bit, but whether you know whichever year you pick whether it's slightly higher or slightly lower just the fact that both gold and silver outperformed the stock market over mm -hmm. that period of time that even includes that includes the big bull market we had with all the money printing by the fed after the last crisis so think right. 2009 to now the biggest money printing spree and, and quantitative easing spree in the history of the world really i think but even looking back to past fiat currencies I think percentage-wise, I mean, I think we've blown everybody away or at least gotten really close. Right. That's even with the big stock run-up of the mm -hmm. uh, last 10 years and with silver being down at $18, $19. Right, so right. I would guess that many people hadn't heard that. I didn't even read that until a couple of months ago, and I found that quite interesting. So I heard this saying once that I uh, thought was kind of interesting that the years show us what the days and weeks and months cannot. So I think there's something to be said for that. And I get it. If you wake up and silver is down a dollar or gold's down 20 or 30 bucks, that may not be what you want to hear at that, that particular point in time. But I would suggest that the reasons, at least for myself, but I think a lot of other people, that they get into gold and silver is not going to go on a day-to-day -day basis like you might expect. So mm -hmm. if you have a different, if you're trading gold and silver because you want, you know, a trade for the next couple of weeks, then, you know, that's a different story and have a different reason for doing that. But if it's for the 
insurance or the protection against what you see or the concerns that many have with the current system, then you're, you're looking at it a longer term perspective and yeah. perhaps looking at the price from a longer term perspective yeah. might match that a little better. Yeah. And I, I think you made some good points. Um, when you look at strategic investing versus transactional investing, one thing you, you do in strategic investing is you zoom out for longer periods of time and you notice big trends. And so it's less about day trading and more taking a position over a longer period of time, which in my research has done is a better strategy for most people. And most people don't do well day trading. Eventually, they'll, they'll lose their money. So I think cycle trading is a good idea. And when you look at the cycle, it certainly seems as though we're gearing up for more in the precious metals. And even if you look at the last 20 years, they've done great. But but take all that away for a moment. Stop instead of comparing like gold and silver directly to another asset class. If you use it complimentary. So one of my good friends, Nick Barishev, he runs BMG Group up in Canada, runs his own gold fund, his own company. Uh, he, he's written some articles on balancing like a 60-40 stock uh, bond portfolio with some gold. And how that really smooths out the beta of that portfolio and gives a better overall return over time. So even if you want to keep your stock and bond portfolio, but you want to add a little bit of gold for some stabilization, good good quality appreciation, good stabilization, better quality returns over time, there's a lot of research out there showing taking a 10 or even a 20% position of precious metals over time stabilizes the volatility of other assets because over time, that's what gold and silver do. And that's what you're talking about on that 20 year chart. So even if you hadn't gone all in gold and silver, but you had gold and silver in your portfolio the last 20 years, you probably, in fact, you would have had much better performance overall and a lot more stability, a lot less daily heartache. So while gold and silver have their own periods of volatility, they're much less volatile than some of these other asset classes. And that's just another way to look at it. I mean, if you get into it, you don't have to be in for a day and out the next day. You can be in it for a while and look at the long-term you know, benefits of doing it. Which, which, you know, history has shown, especially for gold, but also for silver, can be very good for a portfolio. So I think there are arguments to be made that the that the case for gold and silver is not done yet, that we have more to see there. And, and I know you and I will be, both be covering it on our channels as we go forward. Yeah, and one thought to that, certainly I don't think it that's, needs to be an all or nothing thing. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly diversifying has uh, a great role in this whole process. Because, yeah, I don't know, you could you could pick any asset. I mean, if you just look at the stock market this year, well, the thing's gotten clobbered. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean that it's never good to own stocks. That's right. And same with real estate, same with bonds. There are times in, in places don't own everything, right? Right. And I, I, I get it. I, I think uh, in the gold and silver community, we're, there's a degree of emotion mixed in there. Mm -hmm. Whether it's because right. people feel the wanting to have a, a sound or honest money, which certainly I agree with, um, mm -hmm. you know, or just believing in the fundamentals, which certainly I believe in. Um, but again, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. And there's going to be periods where the thing goes up, the thing goes down. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's going to be the same with any asset. And I, I tend, uh, and, and, and perhaps uh, I take some accountability. I know I have a show where I'm talking about silver and I get fired up at times. Um, yet just taking a step back and realizing, like you said, there are cycles to these markets. And I would suggest just making sure whatever your underlying premise is, that you're, you're, the way you're approaching and looking at the price is matching that. So again, not 
Do you think gold and silver have long-term benefit, not getting too caught up in the day-to-day -day of that? I agree with you. And to that uh, point, you've got a bunch of interviews coming up on your channel. Maybe you can talk about that for a couple of minutes. Uh, what's coming on Arcadia Economics. I know you've been working the last few days. I'm bringing a lot of really good content to the channel. So maybe you can tell people what you got going on. Well, we had some guy named Rob Keens on the show mm -hmm. on Monday, uh, yesterday, as we're recording this now. So it was great to hear your thoughts. And I know you, mm -hmm. Rob has actually been uh, on my couch digging through the SLV prospectus. So <laughs> I think uh, you, you might call there and see if we can get some things figured out, especially uh, as there's a growing short position there. Mm -hmm. uh, David Brady and Lynette Zhang uh, recorded today, so they'll be coming up. And also, if I may mention, we did finally uh, start planning for Silverfest 3, which is going to be November 12th this year. Oh, Rob, so I awesome. think you're going to be a part of that, which yes. I'm hoping for. And just giving a day where a lot of the people that I have on my show that similarly come in and on your show and that you talk with uh, and also having a place for the people who are out there watching that you can actually log on, ask questions um, for many of the people who have been to some of these virtual conferences on the hop-in software. It's nice because you have a booth and right. you actually get to meet some of the people that you see on these shows. And most of them are really good people and good good men and women and so it'll be a chance on november 12th to join us at silver fest would we'll be free to attend and can hear some panels but also talk and meet some of the people and you can do it from the uh comforts of your own home we we were hoping to do it in person this year although it ended up seeming like it was the right thing to do online uh once again but um hopefully that'll be something helpful and fun for people and again that's uh saturday november 12th and we'll have more information up about that soon but rob keens your host here will be joining us yeah i'm excited about you know it's the fall time and you know it's silver when it's silver fest is around the corner so i'm so excited to hear about all the plans uh chris you and i were talking about it last night and, and the agenda and you know what's going on in your mind for how to organize it and i will say this i think there's going to be a lot of it's going to be a different sort of conference than a lot of conferences you go to there's going to be a lot of actionable information there but also going to make it a lot of fun and we're going to talk about a lot of current events and things that are going on. It's going to give people a place for community and to speak about, you know, where we can all go and, and speak about the stuff that we want to speak about. And that's the best thing about Silverfest. It's the community. It's the people. I always enjoy it. And this one's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Of course, we'll, we'll have you on again as, as that approaches and you start announcing who's going to be there. I'm, I'm really excited for all of that. So stay tuned for that. We'll have that on our channel as well for those of you that uh, follow both of us. I think that if I may add one last thing, sure. uh, especially at this time where the, the price is down, I understand yes. people have a lot of questions. I've had a lot of questions myself this year, but hopefully at this particular time, that, that'll be something that will be helpful about it. Yeah, I, I definitely, I do think it will. And any conference right now that solutions based <laughs> and offering people, you know, solutions to problems, I think is, is going to do well. And, and so I'm looking forward to it. Also wanted to point out, we're going to have a bunch of research uh, on the show the next few weeks. I'll probably be doing a lot of solos. I'm digging not only into SLV, as Chris mentioned earlier, into what's going on there. I think I may have a somewhat unique perspective on that. Uh, I'm also going to be interviewing uh, somebody very popular in the space that's been following uh, that for a very long time. But we're also going to do, uh, we've done an investigation into some of the, regula the regulations. And I did an interview with somebody 
connected to one of the regulatory agencies in precious metals. I'm not going to say anything other than that. You guys have got to see this interview. That's a lot of fun. I think it goes to show a lot of what I've been saying for the last couple of years regarding this market and how it's managed. Is that your roundtable with Gary Gensler, Janet Hill, and <laughs> Ross yeah. Benham that you have coming up? No, but it's a good one with, with I think, a very honest and respectful gentleman who is in that process for a long time and had probably 30 years of experience in this industry, who knows it very well. And just uh, some of the things that he says about how the industry works, I think are, are similar to what we've been saying. And it's nice to hear somebody come out and say that. We're going to have that and we're going to do it multiple parts. We're going to turn these into stories because I think what we're seeing going to SLV right now is its own story that needs explanation and needs examination. And we're going to do it. We're going to do it over a couple of three episodes. And then I'm going to bring on, and then we're going to talk about uh, some of the other stuff going on. I don't want, I don't want to give it away too soon, but stay tuned to our channel the next few weeks. We're, there's a lot going on in the market that you guys are going to want to know. We've got some more behind the scenes information that we've been looking for the last couple of years. And I think it's really going to be very interesting for those of you who follow the sector and a great lead up, I think, going into Silverfest as well, because we'll talk about some of those topics at Silverfest. So I want to thank my good friend, Chris, for hosting and having me down here. Of course, Yara was here for the first couple of days as well. Good to see her. I hadn't seen Chris probably in a year, and it's just good to, to get together and, and hang out. So appreciate that and appreciate uh, uh, all the stuff that you've done over the years with Arcadia Economics. I know you you built this great channel that people that come to for your leadership and your guidance and just the community that you build to, you know, make, put it, put a safe place out there for us metals investors to talk. Cause you know, we're all over the world and, and you can do that at Arcadia. So we appreciate being here. Appreciate being in Mexico, having Chris on the show. Stay tuned to Silverfest. It's coming up here in just over a month. Uh, as soon as Chris puts out the tickets, I'd grab them because I think they're going to go fast. All right. Thanks Chris for, for being on. And until next time, it's Rob Keynes with Gold Silver Pros. Thank you.